Wow. That is always a song that gives me goosebumps when I listen to it. It is absolutely anthemic. Cynthia Erivo and Stand Up, and it comes from the Harriet Tubman soundtrack. I was actually hearing the other day of a little girl. She's 14, and, uh, and Harriet Tubman is... Actually, she said there are two people that are her uh, heroines or heroes. The one is Harriet Tubman and the other one is Sophia Debrain. And I always thought that was just completely brilliant. She must be about 14, this young lady that I'm talking about, Kia. Amazing young girl. Nevertheless, that's the choice of our guest presenter. Victor Humuswana is the author of a book called Africa Bounces Back and Africa is also open for business. That's the other. And he is a media commentator, a speaker, an author, and a self-described Afro-optimist. And uh, we've chatted many a time, but I'm delighted that finally we actually get to have Victor on the line with us. Victor, thank you so much for joining us. Michelle Constant. (laughs) (laughs) I I couldn't say no to your invitation. You know, I'm terrified of you. You are. You cannot say that, and you cannot say that on public radio. <laughs> so they said, Michelle wants to speak to you. I say, okay, I'm standing at the yeah, right now. <laughs> so, Victor, I want, to, I want to go to the track you chose as the um, opening track. And as I say, it's a song that always leaves me with absolute goosebumps. It's totally anthemic. And it seems totally in line, of course, with um, Africa Bounces Back. Africa's open for business. Um, I love the subtitle, of course, of Africa Bounces Back, Case Studies from a Resilient Continent. Such an interesting title and also such an interesting book. And I wondered if uh, there was that thread running through the decision to play that as your opening song. It, it is. Just, I mean, you know what, I, I'm going to stand up, take my people with me. Together we are going to a brand new home. And across the river, can you hear freedom calling, calling me to answer? I can feel it in my bones. (laughs) You you can't resist that. But just think of Harriet Tubman, that American, they call her abolitionist. Funny, she passed on on the 10th of March in 1913. eh, She also, the anniversary of her death was when? Wednesday? Wednesday. Thursday, Thursday, which is my birthday, by the way. Oh, there you go. I have have something to connect to as well. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And she died at 91 or approximately 91 because a slave wouldn't have an exact birthday. But they they reckon she was about 91 when she died. And I watched that movie, the one you referred to, Harriet, Mm. very recently. And I'm one of those people who wait at the end of the movie, because I know there's always a golden hit yeah. playing while the end credits are running. So at the movie, I'm going to stand there until it ends, because it, it's just, I've never just been able to find a bad song playing at that time. And this song written by a young man called Joshua Campbell, by the way, and the, and the main actor, the lead actor in, in the Cynthia Erivo, it, it's just... It's a coincidence. I didn't know. I didn't watch the movie until very, very recently. So, but it just resonates with me because unless we believe we are going to a better place as Africans, we are doomed. We we have nothing and no one else but ourselves. So let's talk about the um, how how something like this stand up talks to 
a lot of the work that you do, and and you do describe yourself as an Afro-optimist, and I suppose it would be interesting to know what you think that term means, but also what that term is in relation to the books that you've written. I mean, I have Africa Bounces back right here next to me as we talk with lots of uh, little pink comments in it, et cetera. But let's, <laughs> let, let's talk about what it means to be an Afro-optimist. It means, being an Afro-optimist, at least in my book, means mm. believing that things will get better. And, and you look at the despair around you and the despondency and many mm. problems that you have, and yeah. you believe. But you don't simply believe. You go out of your way to make that a reality. So if we go back to just Harriet Tubman, you know she walked 100 miles to freedom. That was She escaped. She was a slave and her father was free, her mother was free, but she wasn't because the slave master just said, no, you belong to me. And she decided to escape. And if you remember the scene where the priest tells her, fear is your enemy. Fear is your enemy. And she, 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 she followed the most amazing path to freedom, 100 miles. And when she was free out in Philadelphia, she went back to yeah. get other slaves. I think they credit her with, with freeing up to 700 slaves. Yeah. You know, Victor, you talk about that, that quote, fear is your enemy. Um, phew. It, it's, it's, it's such a potent thing because certainly I look at my own life and I feel in so many ways that I am frozen by fear, not, not in everything that I do, but I, I look at what is going on globally. We, earlier we were talking about geopolitics, which is, is your world in so many different ways. Um, and the, even though there's absolutely nothing I can do necessarily in a real way, uh, I feel fearful about it. If I look at issues um, to, you know, really just engage with the ideas of fear around COVID and what that meant for us. I feel fearful when I think about um, the economy of this country and where it may or may not go to and what the impact of COVID is, what the impact of uh, the uh, riots of last year would be, what the impact of the global uh, challenges of the Russia uh, invasion of Ukraine. There's for me, it, it's so tied into a, yeah, into my enemy fear, as opposed to saying, okay, how can I think about this differently? And I'm interested to know what it is that you do to think differently, to really uh, approach it differently. Hello, Victor. Okay, that was a long speech I made, and we are going to have to try and get him back on the line. Let's go to a break, and when we come back, hopefully we have more luck. Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 105.6 FM in Mtata.
The public is urged to vote in the first ever annual Durban Tourism Business Awards aimed at rewarding excellence and innovation in the sector from the 11th until the 18th of March at 11pm. You can cast your vote by going to www.durbantourismawards.com. Public voting is only open for the service excellence category, which encompasses six subcategories that are customarily experienced by tourists. The awards that are open for public vote are as follows, rickshaw pullers, tour operators, accommodation, visitor experiences, tourist guides, meetings, exhibitions and special events venues. Durban's business on the move. At SAFM Radio and at Mesh Constant on SAFM. We are talking to our guest presenter, Victor Humuswana, who is the author of Africa Bounces Back, uh, Case Studies from a Resilient Continent, and Africa is Open for Business. And we are talking about the, the enemy, that is fear, and how one remains an Afro-optimist, even in a time of great pessimism and indeed great fear. And I can just look at South Africa and I look at the fact that last week South Africa was voted as the number one country in the world having inequality. Our Our inequality is the worst in the world. We are number one in that particular space. Also the fear of what happened last year with regards to the quote-unquote insurrection in July. Also, if we look at COVID and what that has done to our economy, geopolitics globally, and how that uh, impacts the way we see the world and think about the world. And yet, Victor, you are someone who thinks differently. And I'm wondering, how do you shift that? How do you change that? Michelle, I look around me and I see people who prevail, who... who Mm. Over and let, let let me make it personal. My mother is is going to be eighty eight years old. Wow! Congratulations! In, in May, she live long life. And, and I'm going to use this personal story. I don't think in modern day terms she went past what we call grade three. Yeah. She gave birth to ten children, raised nine of them, and many many other many other relatives. Okay, my father was there. Mustn't make it sound like I was I was born of a single mother or I raised by a single yeah. parent. My father played a major role in my life. He was I was forty when he passed on, so I, yeah. I, I was never deprived. But my mother because she ran the household, she built houses we lived in, she worked the farms, she she supervised our homework even though she didn't quite know what we were doing. She made sure we knew how to choose friends. To date, Michelle, if you if she comes to visit me in Johannesburg, she can't stay for a week because she says I must go back to my place. Things are falling apart when I'm not there. Yeah. Do, do you understand? Now, a woman like that who just had nothing, she grew up herding cattle and doing, but for her to be able to raise so many children and lead the way she, is, she does lead. Yeah. You look around that, or you look around and you see young people defeating the odds. Yeah, we have some of them coming on later on, you know. And yeah. you ask yourself, if this is all you have, what can you do? And and I agree, I feel really desperate about what's wrong with our country and our continent. But I say, if this is what I was given, if I was planted on this continent, was I planted so I can run? Either <laughs> run physically or run mentally or emotionally? Because once you don't believe things will get better, you're running. Yeah, and running where to? Yeah, that's, that's it. But I, I know I'm still alive. If I'm still alive, then it means there's a reason. Yeah, 
a difference. So I'm going to do that. So we, we need to take uh, great credit from your your 88-year-old mother. Uh, I want to sing and praise her. Halala. What day is her birthday in May? May the 5th. Uh. They on five May, and they say we Limpopo men are, <laughs> are too close to our mothers. We we become the butt of jokes here in Gauteng because well, they say we are so attached to our mothers. They, I say, well, <laughs> they say it looks like they they have given us some more tea, and I say maybe they did when they breastfed. Maybe they did. Yeah, maybe they did. Well, let's celebrate her and her birthday in May for sure. Victor, you talk about uh, yeah, the fact that you are, uh, I suppose, ready to engage and engaging with you. We're going to chat to some of your young guests, which you are really quite extraordinary. When we come back from your second choice song, I'd like to maybe get a sense of how some huge challenges are resolved, are engaged with, or maybe even give us lessons in how to engage in the future. And perhaps we could look at COVID-19. We could look at a variety of incidents as we go along. But we're going to go into your second song. I'm so pleased that we're playing this because it's one of my favorite songs of all time. Of course, it's uh, the Danza Mama Criola by Tito Paris. Mm, 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 mm. That'll uh, raise your spirits for sure. Tito Perry and uh, Danza Mama Criola. And important, uh, Kyle Leach is saying, this is also my favorite song as well. Obrigado. And it's the choice of our guest. Great choice. Two fantastic songs. Victor Humuswana is the author of uh, Africa's Open for Business. That was uh, written in about 2014. And Africa Bounces Back, Case Studies from a Resilient Continent, was uh, released and published last year. Victor, when we look at the two books, I mean, there's there's a different kind of approach. I mean, Africa's open for business really does talk to just poof, we're here and we're going to do business. Yes. And then, of course, suddenly a whole bunch of different things start to happen and we need to start thinking, rethinking about the way that we engage, even as a continent. And, you know, you use the word resilient, which I think is, is interesting because it's a... It's, a, it's an important word when we look at how we've engaged. But I wondered, if you look at the last three years, <clears throat> particularly in South Africa, what are some of the learnings that you bring to the table today? And by the way, I've got to give credit to the publisher. The, Pan Macmillan. <laughs> Pan Macmillan, but particularly Andrea Natras, because these titles generally come from me, but she's the one who just knows how to affirm them and, and sharpen them so they, they are punchy. Yeah. And she worked with me on the first book and the second book, and I, I keep saying she is to me what what Bono, Peter Bonington is to Lewis Hamilton, because although Lewis <laughs> is doing the driving, Bono, we know, Bono is managing yeah. his emotion, and he, he should take credit. But yeah, they... <laughs> The, the first book was me. Remember, I started talking about African business, Michelle, or reporting or reading or what is it, broadcasting about mm. it in October 2002. Yeah. yeah. And so it's 20 years that I've been talking about the same thing, looking for positive stories. Yeah. And when the, the, the 10th anniversary in 2013 happened and I decided to write a book, 
I was overwhelmed by how many headlines over the past 10 years, over the, the 10 years to 2013. I was overwhelmed by those headlines, so I had to choose 50 of them because, you know, the African Union was turning 50 in 2013, and, and I just felt I couldn't write a book with 100 chapters. That would have been mm. too pompous of me. And uh, so with, with Africa Bounces Back, though, I started realizing you need to zoom in because I'm a teacher by training, and I'm planning or I'm working on creating an academy where I can teach business people, executives, young South Africans into becoming, if you like, the right-thinking Africans. By that, mm. I mean they, they should be exposed to the right content, and they should accept the role they can play in a much more formal manner and, and start getting involved. So if you look, the, the second one, Africa Bounces Back, I go deeper into the chapters, and that's why there are only 31 chapters. You know, so only, it, it, I mean, it, it, only thirty-one. Let's let's be clear. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> only, you know, there's so much to, to say. Talk. Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> but you can only say, yeah, only thirty-one. You know, plus the bonus chapter by my friend Kevin Singh, who does top hundred brands in yes. Africa every year, and he yeah. kindly agreed to put in a a a bonus chapter, which which is brilliant. He teaches you the brands of Africa and which brands, even though not African, are popular on the continent. So, you know, I mean, one of the things that you talk about in the book, um, and it it comes up quite soon in the book, is this idea of uh, world trade and in who, who it belongs to at the moment, currently. And you t- to quote you, you say, the future of world trade should not be in the hands of a few superpowers. And I found that particularly interesting because we do see, I mean, you talk about the China versus United States, they're slugging out of those two superpowers with regards to Africa trade, African trade. And yet, if we had to imagine a different world, what could that world look like? It's the kind of world that my children belong to. Yeah. Carefree, if you, we may say, but every time when we are young, we are called carefree by our parents. Yeah. We, every generation blames the one after for being carefree and too casual. That's fine. And, and the younger ones blame the older one for being too stodgy. Oh, no. We, we, we really seem to be having problems with our phone lines. And so we're going to try and get Victor and uh, his guest. Hopefully we can get his guest on the line because there's obviously an issue with our phone lines here. We are talking to Victor Homosiana and he is the author uh, of Africa Bounces Back, which is the one I have in front of me, Case Studies from a Resilient Continent, and certainly looking at issues of resilience and the like as we talk to what it means to be a part of the African continent. Michelle Constant on SAFM. We are chatting to Victor. Victor, I'm so sorry we seem to be having problems with the phone lines. It's, uh, I feel like I need to start getting out a whip and flagellating myself. So I apologize profusely. <laughs> no, we are resilient. Oh. You are resilient. We, we are fine. You have no idea how resilient I am, Paul. I'm the queen of I resilience. Know. <laughs> I know. So, Victor, let's go back to that question because it's it's such an interesting one. The, the idea of um, who owns trade on this continent and how we need to shift that conversation. We know that um, 
There's been a lot of conversation about China owning trade on this uh, continent. There's been a lot of conversation around the West owning trade on this continent. Let's talk about how it could look and how it could look differently. If we we put the Africa continental free trade area into into effect, Mm. it will belong to Africans. In a globalized Africa, though, yeah. There's there's no harm. We have to import. There's a place for exotic products, services, solutions. In fact, one humanity, you know, one humanity, God gave us all the ability to work and find solutions. The problem is when you want people to be aligned with you at the expense of everybody else. That's the problem we have in Ukraine today, and I don't want to go into that now. Mm. But that's the problem we are going into Ukraine. Russia says, no, you can't join NATO. We're happy to have you as a neighbor. NATO says, well, if you are our friend, we could. So, and why? Why should somebody join an alliance to be given the right to be? So the young people are free like that. They they are saying, we want to get the information and make up our minds. We we don't have to be African. We don't have to be in, in, in orientation. We have a choice. And if we could get that right, we will then be able to get the best of China, the best of India, the best of Brazil, the best of the U.S., because there's a lot to offer from Europe and all and I suspect that's going to happen because the superpowers are proving just so selfish and greedy and unreliable. You talk about the Africa Free Trade Agreement and the African Continental Free Trade Area. How do you see the implementation of that taking place? Uh, how far are we in that process? And uh, what are the opportunities that are becoming available? We are limited. We are still limited by our insular thinking. And there I'm talking about just maybe South Africans, for example, how we really think we are the other African country, not like the rest of African. You know, when people say we are going the route of Africa, I'm thinking, wait a minute, man, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but, but if, we, if we get rid of that insular thinking, and information technology can help, Michelle. Yeah. And travel, I, I always say to people, the best way to learn about this continent is get on a plane, Absolutely. fly to Lagos, fly to Rwanda, fly Absolutely. to Kenya. You will find that you don't suffer from malaria, you won't get marked, you won't, nobody will even check that you're South African. They, they, you just feel safer. So if we, if we find a way of getting out of our insular thinking by sharing information, and that's why I'm a storyteller. We will do that. But there are also physical, tangible projects that are required. You know, at the moment, there's a $200 million upgrade of the bait bridge between South Africa and Zimbabwe. And that's the busiest route in Africa. If we improve that, I think there will be eight lanes on both sides of the, of the, of the road, of the, of, the, of the corridor. So if we manage to make our borders a lot more open by making them what they call one-stop border posts, so you don't have to stop on the South African side and then on the Zimbabwean side takes too much time. If we can start getting the currencies to be aligned with one another more, if we can start being not as small-minded, and by small-minded I mean people people who run countries believe they can collect visa fees mm. instead of letting the tourists in. If you let the tourists in, Michelle, we can charge a, a tourist 30 rand or 50 rand, uh, $50 or $100 for a visa fee or we can let them come into the country and spend $1,000 in our hotels, in our car washes, in restaurants. So I choose the second option. So there are practical things that need to be done, but eventually we need to be less insular. We need to create the infrastructure, both physical and non-physical, and then just get our people to travel across the continent.
There is, of course, a rabbit hole that we can go down with that idea and that concept, and that is the challenge of xenophobia, which we have here in South Africa. How does one resolve that and take the uh, free trade agreement uh, into its, its, its final and obvious outcomes? There's a rapper, I just can't remember who, but they say people fear what they don't understand. Yeah. So we fear Nigerians because we don't understand them. We, we have a few people in South Africa doing drugs, and I say few because if you, if, if you know Nigeria, you know there are nearly 200 million people. Yeah. And you go to Nigeria, you'll fall in love with Nigerians. I'm not exaggerating. You will fall in love with Nigerians. But because we don't understand them, we equate them to drug dealers and 419 scammers. So if we just found a way of understanding one another better, and you know, Michelle, you work in the arts, artists can open the world to us mm. because they, they, they are sincere. They go deeper. They go to the level of their soul. So if we can just teach one another about what we are, we would have, we would have won half the battle. And then once people know one another, they realize there's less to fear. But of course, we must do our basics. If we don't get the economy right, if we don't get corruption right in South Africa, we leave too many people out of the economic equation, and then they see foreign nationals come in with their enterprise and grit, take advantage of opportunities that they're not able to take advantage of, and then the fueling of the conflict happens. So let's not, I, I wouldn't just imagine that people who are fighting fellow Africans are imagining problems. There are mm. problems, but those problems have to do with how we as South Africa are running our country. We're running it poorly, and as a result, we, create, we leave too many people out of the equation. Let's talk about the economic equation, and your two guests are young people who are doing really great work uh, in the uh, agricultural terrain. Nondomiso Pikache is uh, Says Fekile Wines, and we've got Nondomiso on the line. Nondomiso, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir, and good morning, Victor and the viewers and the listeners. Nondomiso, tell us a little bit about uh, the fabulous Says Fekile Wines. Uh, thank you, Victor, for inviting me, and thank you, Michelle, for um, having me. <laughs> I like the fact that I'm introduced as, as a young person. He's <laughs> <laughs> a from Kayani, uh, from Kugulet. <laughs> yes. Who as says, a young who says? From Kugulet Township in Cape Town. Uh, I come from a teaching background. I taught for plus minus 13 years yeah. in Kailicha. At, at, at Herikwala High School. Yeah. I got uh, um, um, involved in the South African wine industry after you know, feeling that I had done my bit as far as the classroom um, yeah. context yeah. was concerned. So as fellow South Africans might know, the wine industry has always been there, but it was foreign to us. So I was curious you know, about the discrepancy, you know, between what we know about wine and how wine was projected out there. Yeah. So I got myself immersed, you know, in the wine industry value chain and then uh, all there was to learn about this beautiful heritage mm. uh, of ours that is so much removed from the majority of people of yeah. South Africa. Yeah. And that's how Sikile, which means we've arrived. arrived. Was yeah. 
Nondomiso, uh, very briefly, the, the, the journey that you've taken to get to the Cez Fekile wines is an interesting one. As you mentioned, you, you started in school, but you also have had to traverse many different, different roads. And I suppose one could also say deal with what uh, Victor was talking about earlier, resilience. Talk to us about that. Absolutely. I am still traversing those um, and navigating through those um, uphills. Mm. Uh, it takes one's um, innocence, a good sense of conviction, and a willpower, which I think all uh, encompasses what resilience is all about. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had to, you know, also tap on to um, um, uh, networks. Uh, people who believe in you, people who see the, 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 the broader picture of what you're trying to achieve. People like Victor from Oswani, the brother to, uh, from another mother. Yeah. Uh, um, so um, uh, you cannot discount how, how important uh, those networks and those support systems, you know. Critical. To stay, to stay on course yeah. and, 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 you know, add on to the resilience that uh, that you have as, as an individual. I suppose, Victor, when we talk about resilience, it takes us back to your conversation around what we believe an Afro-optimist to be. And I'm interested to know, as as a brother from a different mother, uh, your your what it is about Nondomiso and the work that she's doing that excites you and says, okay, fine, this is someone I'd love to have as a guest as well. First of all, she's a former teacher, but I woke up one Sunday and, fa- and found... Teachers of the world were, unite. Yeah, teachers of the world unite. We are there. We run this world. I woke up one Sunday and found people were trolling her on Twitter about how can you name wine says Figile and, 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 and it's not a good name for wine. And I, right, I, I looked her up and found we had a mutual friend on Facebook and I yeah. phoned that friend and said, do you have the ladies, this lady's number? She said, yes. And the following day, she was on my show. Yeah, and I, I I remember asking people, how can you say Sesfigile, which is a, a South African language and a positive language? Yeah, it's not appropriate for wine when you have, and I'm just going to use certain brands. You have a, a wine called Fed Bastard. You have yeah. a wine something called Seriously Old Dirt. Yeah, I mean, really, if you can have wine called Seriously Old Dirt, I'm sure you can have wine called Sesfigile. But yeah. It was just that persistence, and I've met her, and I've tasted her wine, and just the fact that she's daring to go into the territory that's so, so exclusive and, yeah. and, and elitist, I, I just found that admirable, because young people of Google too, and everywhere in Africa can believe that it is possible. She, yeah. She's my Harriet Tubman of the wine industry. <laughs> So, Nondomisa, we need to go to a break, but I am going to say to you, uh, never, ever forget that um, there's young and then there's younger and then there's youngest. So stay in the stay in the young world for as long as you possibly can. I tend to think of myself in the young world still as well. Exactly. Exactly. That's a good one, Shelby. of Says Fakila Wines. Go check out the website. It really is fabulous. And you'll be able to also look at the kinds of wines that Nondomiso is doing. And I think to say we have arrived, man, it's a great title for a wine. Hashtag Human Rights Month 2022 Human Dignity Equality 
freedom of movement, language and culture, healthcare, food, water and security. The rights all humans deserve to have. Hashtag Human Rights Month 2022. Join Proudly South African for the 10th Annual and 2nd Virtual by Local Summit and Expo from the 14th to the 16th of March. Workshops, expo matchmaking sessions, the Business Solutions Hub, panel discussions on the 4IR and job creation, as well as localization as an economic imperative for South Africa. You can chat to some iconic local brands run by families and much more. To register, you can go onto the website www.buylocalsummit.co.za. Buy local to create jobs. SAFM celebrating Human Rights Month. We are celebrating Human Rights Month and we're chatting to someone who is certainly celebrating what it means to not only be South African but to be African on the continent as well. Victor Humutswana is the author of Africa Bounces Back, Case Studies from a Resilient uh, Continent, but he's also a, a speaker, an MC, and uh, an author, commentator, and much, much more. Victor, we have your second guest on the line. Uh, who is uh, Sapiwe Sitole. We're staying with the agricultural space. Sapiwe, as a vegetable farmer, runs African Marmalade, an organic farming enterprise, which is based in Krugersdorp. And I wanted, I suppose, to know, Victor, your do you feel that that agricultural sector, I mean, we know if there's going to be a binding constraint in this country, it's going to be around land and is around land, not going to be, is. Is this something that uh, you've got your eye on and that you're focusing on as we move forward? It is, it, is the, it is the industry, it is Africa's true north, I call it in Africa Bounces Back, because we have the land, 20% of the, of the land, earth, you know, the, the part of earth that is land is in Africa, and only mm. 15% of the population, so we have so much. But the land is so arable, and the climate is favorable. I know we think of ourselves as a water-stressed country, but there's hydroponics now. You don't need a lot of water to to produce vegetables and fruit and, and all those things. So it is something that already hires the like the highest number of employment opportunities in Africa are in agriculture. If we get the technology right, the use of organic fertilizers going and we move the farmers from subsistence to commercial, it is the one industry that can really save Africa. So, Sapiwe, we've got you on the line. You have a, an organic farming enterprise, but you in fact are um, someone who has a passion for music, a passion for journalism, for drama. One has to ask, what made you decide to go and get your hands really dirty in Victor's beautiful soil? Um, it's interesting how I ended up in farming because uh, I had never dreamt and thought that I could become a farmer one day. But um, while in corporate, and I used to travel through different African countries, I would eat this amazing, beautiful, tasty food. And yeah. that didn't cost me that much. And, you know, you would be allocated to one, $100 um, every day as your allowance that covered your expenses on yeah. a daily basis while you're in a different country. And um, I could fit in literally everything from my shuttle to everything, food and whatever. 
And then I come back to South Africa and I had to pay a fortune to get very good, tasty, organic food. And yep. I realized there was a disconnect in the way that we're producing food. The mass-produced food is basically most of it devoid of nutrients, while the nutrient-dense food is only available to a few people. And I started to wonder why. And then I also did some work and, and, and stats analysis to check how many African experts that are living in South Africa that are really battling to actually find the food that they know um, as it tastes from back home. And that's how I am. African Marmalade was born to grow food for African experts living in South Africa, but also to cater for Africans living in the metros that have migrated from the hmm. rural province. Yeah. So how does a person who have come from Limpopo or KZN still find Amadoumbe, find the tasty sweet potatoes and eat okra or whatever that they're looking for? So is that the, are those the kinds of plants that you are growing, uh, Amadumbo, also okra? I mean, I'm interested to know the diversity of vegetables that you are growing. Yes, so we are growing the grains. We're doing the small grains, the sorghum, both the red and the white, and we've got uh, finger and pearl millet on the grain side. We do grow non-GMO, yellow um, yellow and white, and the colorful maize. We do a lot of um, your, your tubers, so your, your cassava, your sweet potatoes, and amadumbe. We also grow a lot of greens. Remember, our greens option are limited to green beans, spinach, broccoli, and whatever. Morojo. Yeah. There is amaranth, there's pumpkin leaves, the cowpea mm-hmm. leaves, you also eat them. They are highly nutritious. The cassava leaves, that's also another green option that people have. So we grow a wide range of, 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 of greens. So when people say, I love Morocco, I always say to them, which one? Because there's more than 10 <laughs> different Moroccos that are out there. Umfino, Uko Imifino. So Umfino is one, Imifino is plural. So we yeah. grow quite a wide range of, 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 of a basket of greens that people can choose from. We also do um, things like your chilies, different beans. Remember when you go to the shops, the bean aisle is very limited. You've got like mm. four things. You get you get your sugar beans, your butter beans, your canelli beans, and whatever other stuff. If you're lucky, you come across black beans. But there's more than 50 or 100 beans people can choose from. Why are those not in the shelf? So we're trying to promote beans. You know, we're seeing an increase in plant-based um, food. And we're saying, but then the African diet gives you so much options if you just find out what is available. So that yeah. is the stuff we're growing. And just, Michelle, I've relocated the farm from um, Mukhale City. I'm now very close to people. We are in Lysonia, which falls under Centurion. We are a stone's throw away from Dipslot and uh, Lanceria or Erasmia and Lodium. So we're very close to a lot of people right now. People can come to the farm, get a taste, see, touch and, touch and feel, and we need more farmers to grow what we are doing. Superior, we have to leave you there because our time is running out. Sapiwe Sitol is a vegetable farmer and she runs and heads up African Marmalade, an organic farming enterprise. Victor, I suppose that um, Sapiwe pays tribute to exactly what you said up front at the beginning of this uh, show, where you spoke about how important it is to listen to a lot of the positive voices of people that are doing things. In closing, perhaps you could just tease that out for us one more time. When you've listened to Spiwe and you've listened to Nondu Miso, just listen to the energy, Michelle. In the South Africa that has such a high incidence of gender-based violence and femicide, which means Spiwe is not exempt from all the problems that South African women face. But listen to the enthusiasm. Listen to the fire in her voice. She's not 
I mean, you could give her an hour, she will tell you what she's doing. So if I hear women like that, and I know them as a, I know them on a personal level, and I've worked with them, and I've hosted them as guests, where is that space in my body, in my soul, in my mind, in my heart, to be pessimistic? Mm. <laughs> it's yeah. Just, yeah, that's it. I don't need to say anything else because... I can give you a hundred other people like Stewart who are doing wonderful things. And, and all of them, none of them will say, I inherited this for my father or my mother. They will say, I was doing something else and I had this calling. I was doing this and I got this. So there, the resilience that I'm talking about and the reason for me to be optimistic can be found amongst us. Look next door. Look front opposite. Yeah. You will find it. You'll find it. It's there. I have to say, I feel like that every time I speak to someone on SAFM, I'm awe inspired. I'm filled with awe and inspired when I talk to them. And Victor, you've done exactly that for me. Victor Humuswana, thank you so much for joining us. As someone said, now I've read your book, Africa is Open for Business. It's a great book about our continent. Someone else saying, thank you for sharing your priceless knowledge with us and uh, the potential of Africa is gradually being unearthed. So we thank you so much for your time and your effort and your energy. Guys, it's 10 o'clock already. Can you believe it?